Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. This morning's teaching is out of the Sermon on the Mount. This is part 15. As we're working verse by verse, uh, going through Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. And we're actually in the same passage of Scripture we were in last Sunday. And if you missed last Sunday, I'd encourage you to go find the podcast and, and listen and catch up to that. Because these two teachings really go together. Um, This is the teaching where Jesus gets down on the nitty-gritty, and this is what this series is all about. Jesus, in kindness, teaches his disciples how he wants us to live. And it's so kind and wonderful and good that Jesus is even addressing how we handle the desires that have been hardwired into our lives. Open your Bibles to Matthew 5. Matthew 5, chapter uh, 5, 27 to 30 is where we are this morning. Jesus speaks to the people and he says, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. We talked about last week that as we are to go to extremes to to, to cut off and to, to, to sort of limit the access to things that get us into trouble and cause us to stumble. This is not Jesus advocating for people to amputate their limbs and to poke out their eyes. This is Jesus saying, if it's your eye that leads you to lust, then do whatever you got to do to deal with that and work on that and cut that out of your life. Last Sunday, we saw that Jesus really is trying to celebrate marriage. Marriage is such a major, important thing in the plan of God. Marriage is good, and it is to be honored. That's why Jesus said, adultery is wrong. Violating those vows, violating that covenant, going and cheating is ugly and wrong and it is, it, it is terrible. Don't do that. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. And Jesus is going one step further. He's raising that bar just a little bit higher in the Sermon on the Mount in this stretching word. And he says, not only that, but anyone who looks at a, a woman or a man lustfully, has already committed adultery with them in their heart. So don't think you're clean if you haven't slept with somebody you're not married to this week. What have you been thinking about in your heart? What have you been looking at with your eyes? Jesus raises the bar on these things, but the goal of this is to celebrate and to preserve marriage. Do not pursue adultery. Instead, pursue marital joy and satisfaction and 
Last Sunday, I wanted to, to cheer you on in your married life, those of you who are married, that you would talk to each other and find out how to move together toward marital joy so that adultery does not get to creep in as an option in your world. So that you have a household of a husband and a wife who are satisfied and their desires are met by their spouse and that there is a beautiful exchange of giving and receiving of affection. Marriage is what Jesus is looking to preserve. But lust is the gateway that can lead to dark things and adultery. Let's talk about lust for just a moment. And by the way, if, if all this conversation and talking about lust is making you squirm a, a little bit, that's okay. I didn't bring it up. Jesus brought it up. Hello? And it's important that we talk about this in church. We want to talk about real life and the things that sabotage us. And my goodness, can we not agree that our world has twisted something beautiful and it's so out of control in a lot of ways and there have been a lot of people who are in the grips of improper sexual desire and lust and it is ruining lives and is affecting marriages. We need to talk about it. And as your church, we want to love you and serve you, whether you're married or not married, and cheer you on in this way. Let's talk about lust a little bit. First of all, lust as a definition is the self-serving misuse of sexual desire. Because sexual desire is good. God hardwired that in your life. He made it a part of who you are. It is ways, one of the ways that God has made his creation for a man and for a woman to desire each other. But lust is the self-serving misuse of sexual desire, imagining, that's where Jesus talks about looking at lustfully, He's already committed adultery in his heart. It's the internal. It's the imagining what it would be like to touch, engage, or use a person you're not married to. How do you use a person lustfully? You use them to satisfy your own desires in improper ways. So put that definition together. Lust is the self-serving misuse of sexual desire. Imagining what it would be like to touch, engage, or use a person you're not married to. Jesus says that lust is just as wrong as adultery. Look how high he raises the bar. Don't commit adultery, but anyone who's looked at a person lustfully has already committed adultery with that person in their heart. Jesus said it is just as serious. Lust unmanaged can lead to adultery. And I want to highlight the fact that lust is not the struggle of only men. Women struggle with lust. Everybody struggles with lust. Everyone is vulnerable to those things. And if it remains unchecked, if it is allowed to run free, if you're out there engaging, if you're out there looking, if you're out there thinking, if you're out there imagining, if you're out there sort of considering in your mind and playing it out what it would be like, be on your guard because somebody might just absolutely open that door and make it a possibility and suddenly you're making choices you never thought you'd make. Entertaining these thoughts when going the next step of having a real opportunity that could lead to adultery. 
Lust is not a treat. And that may sound like a strange phrase to make, but there are some who've fallen victim to the thinking that says, I am dissatisfied in my marriage. My spouse doesn't care about my desires. I'm unhappy. I'm resentful. And this is my outlet to lust. This is my treat. I deserve it. Lust is not a treat, something you deserve because you're dissatisfied at home. Your struggle with lust is not your spouse's fault. Communicate your needs and desires and preferences with your spouse. If you want to be married, welcome to grown-up world. Have grown-up conversations. Married life needs to include honest conversations. And we lifted this up last week. Marriage is so much more than sex, but marriage without that is unhealthy. But lust is not your spouse's fault. It is not a treat. It is not an outlet for you to make up for some other dissatisfaction. One of the best um, ways to talk about lust running free and sexual desire that's inappropriate and the misuse of God-given desire is to talk about the, 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 the stain on our world, which is pornography. The multi-billion dollar industry where people are making a living out of exploiting other people in lust. I want to talk about pornography for a few minutes and why it is something that you should have nothing to do with. Let me begin with this idea of what pornography is. And you may be thinking, there's no need to, to make a definition for pornography. You know what pornography is when you're seeing it. But I want to expand it. I want to do like Jesus did and raise the bar a little bit so that you don't think, I'm clean because I didn't go to a pornographic website this week. But is there a certain Instagram account that you look at that pushes your buttons on a regular basis? Don't think you're clean if you haven't been to an official pornographic place. Let's expand the definition and the idea of pornography to include this. Any source that's predictable for stimulation that invites you to lust. Lust is that misuse of desire for someone you're not married to. Any source. That could be Instagram. That could be any other app that you can think of out there. It could be scrolling through TikTok. It could be scrolling through, through pictures uh, on other places. It could be um, interactions that you have with certain people at certain times and certain locations. It could be websites that you're going to. It can be something that you're passive about. I don't go searching for it. It just shows up on the screen. It just, it just shows up there as an ad. It just shows up in my inbox. It just shows up in my mailbox. Whatever that is, those sources that invite you to lust. This is the key phrase this morning, friends. Invitation to lust. Because when you're extended an invitation, you have the opportunity to say what? Yes or no. And so these sources invite us to lust. So let's walk through a few of these things of why it is so unhealthy for all people and especially for the people of God. Number one, it's using someone you're not married to for intimate fulfillment. 
It's using that person you're not married to for intimate fulfillment, reducing people created in the image of God to a set of body parts for your exploitation. Number two, pornography is dark and terrible because it's untrue. It's highly produced and exaggerated with actors, and this forms unrealistic expectations for marital delight. If your education for what marital delight should be comes from pornography, you are setting yourself up for disappointment and very, 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 very bad, exaggerated expectations in your marriage. It does not teach truth of a husband and wife coming together. Be on your guard. It's not true. It's not real. And it will teach you to expect some things from your someday spouse or your present spouse that are not true and not real. Number three, the continued viewing of pornography has physiological impact, not psychological impact, although there is likely a good bit, but physiological impact. It can become a compulsion. There are studies that have been done that show that continued going back to this source and drinking from this well can become a compulsion where you can't stop, you can't stop, you can't stop. And that leads me to this other little piece of this. It then requires an escalation of stimulation. If you dabble and dig into and embrace pornography, it will, it will have a physiological change in you that you require an escalation in stimulation, meaning what pushed your buttons in pornography last month no longer works for you and doesn't push your buttons this month so you continue to move toward more and more and darker and darker extremes. An escalation in finding stimulation. You'll put this in front of your life for a season and you'll become numb to it and you'll require more and require more and require more. There's story after story out there in life of people who started with small little dabbling, small little entrance things, and it led them to places they never dreamed they would go. It led them to search for things they never dreamed they would search for. It led them to, to find that they were needing to see a certain kind of image or a certain kind of video just to feel anything, and it's because there's a physiological effect that comes from exposure and spending time in pornography. Number four, pornography is awful because secrecy opens the door to shame. There's a lot of shame in that because it is a hidden secret thing. And I just would remind you, those of you who are married, that you would reject that in your life because pornography is the secret intimate engagement away from your spouse. It's engagement with someone away from your spouse in secret, I think we're getting closer and closer to how Jesus began to say, what's going on in your heart is the same thing as what you are potentially doing with your body. 
And then number five, this absolutely matters. Pornography is dark and wrong and evil because it supports human trafficking. Many of those who are involved in creating pornography are not there by choice. They are being forced. They are working to pay off debts. They are engaged in modern day slavery. And some of the people that you might be using for your selfish enjoyment, the exploitation of that person, they already are being exploited where someone is forcing them to perform or to film, and it's awful. And when you support that industry, you support that practice of human trafficking. It's dark, and it's evil. So Jesus brings this up. <laughs> Jesus brings up how to preserve marriage and why marriage should be preserved and how awful adultery is. And then he raises it up a little bit more about our hearts and our desires because the desire is good and the desire is hardwired in us by the created work of God. But Jesus brings it up in this teaching. So then let me kind of wrap us up this morning with a question, how does Jesus want us to live with our sexual desire? How does Jesus want us to live with that appetite? It's in us because of Christ, because of the way we've been made by the image of God. It's in us, and it is good. How does Jesus want us to live with it? Let me offer a couple of things. Number one, connect with a person and then commit to them in marriage. One of the ways that you live with your desire and appetite is to get married. Marriage is an appropriate solution to desire. Marriage is an appropriate solution to desire. Uh, look what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians um, 7, verse 9. But if they cannot control themselves, they should, what? Marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Now, if you're going to enjoy playing house with someone and enjoy the benefits of a physical relationship with someone, you should commit to that person. Desire has a place designed by God to be expressed, and it is inside the covenant and commitment of marriage. This gets really complicated. Because back in the ancient Near East, and even in the West for centuries, and for a long, 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 long time, as people turned a certain age and desire was awakened physiologically and mentally, they were getting married younger. But people aren't getting married as young as they used to. And this is not a teaching that says, hey, young people, go get married. But what's happening is, is that we have a sexualized culture and people are dabbling and dealing in sexual things, but marriage isn't part of the equation for expressing the desires. But if you have commit, connected with a person and God has led you to have vision for growing old with this person and has led you to, to marry this person, then get married. 
That's one of the ways that we live with the desire that God has put in us. Marriage celebrates that desire is good and has purpose. Marriage celebrates that desire is good and it has purpose. Inside the marriage covenant, we talked all about this last week, there is the giving of affection, covering your spouse's needs. Isn't that beautiful? And then there's the receiving of affection as your spouse covers your needs. Desire is good and right and beautiful inside the commitment of marriage. We talked about last week that in marriage, God provides a person for you in the safety of promises for the giving and receiving of physical affection. You got desire? Then have vision and plans to get married so that you can express that desire in not just the receiving, but also the giving of affection. Connect with a person, then commit to them in marriage. Number two, the second way Jesus wants us to live with our desires is to be self-controlled. To be self-controlled. According to Jesus, there is a difference between looking and lusting. Notice what he said there in chapter 5 of Matthew. He said, but anyone who looks lustfully at someone has already committed adultery with them in their heart. So there's obviously a way to look at someone that's not lustful. There's a difference between looking and lusting. Control the type of looking that you do. Let's go ahead and say this out loud right here at this moment. Your struggle with lust is not the fault of how other people dress. It's how you look at them. The fact that they desire to wear a certain kind of clothes can, can all be traced back to that's now an invitation to you. And what are you going to say, yes or no, to that invitation? If you say yes to that invitation, then suddenly you are looking at them with a misuse of desire, wanting to fulfill yourself through them. You are imagining touching them, engaging them, or being intimate with them. Be self-controlled. And if you notice someone who is attractive, you can notice someone who is attractive without you then turning it into a lustful, desiring moment. And it's possible for you to be self-controlled, to say, I see that person, I'm going to stop seeing that person now. Because I'm not yet imagining touching them or engaging them, but I don't want to go there. I'm going to be self-controlled. Friends, take responsibility for your own looking at other people. It is not their fault for how they dress, but let's also drop this in here as well. Let's serve our brothers and sisters in Christ through modesty. Let's serve each other through modest dress. 
was thinking about the best way to illustrate this, and I can't really come up with one, uh, but I, I was raised um, in the South, and I was raised by a, a thoughtful and intentional mom and dad and grandparents who told me um, that when you're walking into a building, you hold the door for a lady. You hold the door open, and it's not that she's incapable of opening the door herself. It's not you know, any of those things. It's the fact that you want to give some kind of honor, that you want to make things just a little bit easier for them. They would say, here, let me make the way just a little bit easier for you. And gentlemen and ladies, when you stand in your closet and you choose to dress modestly for the day, you just hold the door and make it just a little bit easier for people who encounter you during the day. And you say, I just, I just, I can't take responsibility for how they look at me, but I can choose by the way I dress whether I'm inviting them to lust after me. In doing so, you just make it a little bit easier for your brothers and sisters in Christ. You do not want to be the reason to cause people to stumble. Serve each other through modesty. Be self-controlled. You got to be self-controlled because guess what? It's nearly impossible to, uh, to avoid all of the invitations, to escape all the invitations to lust. It's everywhere. Hello? It's everywhere. The invitations are everywhere. Those of you who are young in the room, you can't really appreciate this, but you used to have to work a little bit harder to go find the material. Those of you who are older in the room, you would have your jaw drop to the floor if you knew how much material comes across your kid's world without them even asking for it and comes to them from other students and other friends, your, your jaw would drop. You cannot escape the invitations, so what do you have to do? You have to be self-controlled. You can't move out to the desert somewhere and never encounter human beings again. You're probably not going to go off-grid where you never use the internet or smartphones or anything like that. You're going to keep living in the world. You can't escape the people, the places, the media. You're going to have to be self-controlled and decide that you can see a person but not let that looking turn to lust. Be self-controlled. Grow and train yourself so that you are not imagining what it would be like to touch them or engage them or use them. And while it's impossible, pretty much impossible to avoid and escape all the invitations to lust, the challenge that's brought to you today, the reminder that's brought to you, not only is it just things you're exposed to, but don't go looking for it. Some of us in the room, you struggle. You struggle right now, not because you were just minding your own business and walked around the corner and an invitation to lust was there. Some of you are struggling right now because you're actively looking for it and you have the go-to places to find it, those sources I talked about. 
You have those media things, those apps, those places where it's guaranteed and it's a little secret desire, it's a little secret treat, it's a little thing where you sit down and open the door to trouble. Some of you are struggling in the grip and entanglement of lust and you have arranged for it. Be self-controlled comes together with be wise. An alcoholic does not go to a bar to drink a Dr. Pepper. And a lustaholic knows better than to hang out in places that are going to turn into invitations. So don't invite it into your life. Be self-controlled. Your desire is from God. So be a good steward of what God has given you. God's given you this, this desire. And young people, if you're not married yet, have vision, have dreams. Be praying for the person you're going to marry someday. Have this, this thought of someday I'm going to get to be a blessing to someone else and fulfill their desires and meet their needs and spoil them and love them and care for them and protect them and grow old with them. And they're going to do the same for me. Have that vision in your life that I've got this desire, but I'm going to wait and hold on to it for the arena that God created for it to thrive. And I'm not going to cheapen my body that I've been made in the image of God. And I'm not going to share myself intimately with someone before I'm married. And I'm not going to send pictures of myself with some, to someone else. I'm not going to engage in those things because I have vision. I have located the purpose of this. And it's in marriage for the delight and blessing of my spouse and for the joy of our married life together that we would just be giddy in love and satisfied and happy in marriage. Have vision for that and wait. That's really hard. Be self-controlled. But I mean, the invitations are everywhere. Be self-controlled. And if you are married, be self-controlled. And when the desires that are inappropriate come up, this is an interesting turn of phrase, disobey them. Look at this verse from Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign. Reign as in a king. Reign as in sit on a throne. Reign as in being in control and in charge. Reign as in playing king of the mountain, knocking everybody off. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. No, be self-controlled so that you disobey those evil desires. You've been giving the pure desire and you want to be a good steward of it, a good manager of it. You want to use it well. You want to be a good and faithful servant with the things, the beautiful things that God has given you. And you want to be self-controlled. When you look but you're not lusting and you say, I'm not going to look anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to start imagining what it would be like. I'm not going to use that person. 
when you do that, it's being self-controlled and saying, I'm not going to let those invitations push the, push the buttons for improper desires in me. I'm not going to let that be king of the mountain in my heart. Notice this verse here in Romans 6. Do not let it rain. It's an imperative. It means take action about it. Do something about it. Because if you don't kick it off of the throne, it will take the throne. If you don't get it out of its place of trying to be king of the mountain in your life, it will be happy to be king of the mountain. And it will rule you instead of you ruling it. Desire is good. But it has a place. And it cannot be corrupted and become dark and evil. Disobey the inappropriate desires. Self-control is all about then our response to the temptation. Our response to the invitations to lust and to sin. And there's a difference. Can I, can I just remind everybody here? We are a people of God in grace because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. As a sacrifice for your sins and for my sins, for all of our guilt, he died and rose again. Your sins and my sins, your lustful sins and my lustful sins are paid in full. Hallelujah. But as we now live this life, we live in this struggle of to say yes or no to the invitations. And I want to remind you today that to be, to be tempted to sin is not the same thing as sinning. When you're tempted to sin and you say no to the invitation, that's called victory. You don't need to feel slimy about that at all. You need to call that victory. When you say no, when you turn away, when you stop the thoughts, that's victory. That's being self-controlled. I'm actually going to put up here on the screen these, um, these statements because I want to love you and serve you with some, some self-talk that's going to be uh, hopefully helpful to you because you can't escape and avoid the invitations. So here's some self-talk for you uh, up here, some things that ought to be in our hearts and minds when you are tempted. The first one is, I have a person for the giving and receiving of pleasure, and that's not my person. I'm talking literal self-talk. When you see a person and you begin to think, wow, I'm beginning to, to move toward imagining. Hold on a second, I have a person. I'm married to, or there is a person, and I'm not yet married, but that's, we're not married yet, so that's not my person. If you're not married, that's not your person. Last week, we jokingly talked about being attracted to elbows and just elbows push your buttons and you're walking along and you see, a, you see some elbows. Part of this thought here is those aren't the elbows that God's provided for me to enjoy. Those aren't mine. Those aren't the elbows that God's put in my life. So I'm going to say no, and I'm going to be self-controlled. The second one is, I will not engage in something that would offend my spouse. 
I'm not going to engage in something that would offend my spouse. This is self-talk that leads to self-control. We're talking about in the heat of the battle, in the heat of the temptation, when it's right there in front of you, when you're hovering over to click, when you're getting ready to swipe, in that moment for you to say, wait a minute, this is a trap. This could hook me and lead me to adultery. The next one is, I will not use this person for my own selfish pleasure. Every person you look at is somebody's little girl or somebody's little boy. Take that up. Every single person you look at, potentially with lust in your heart, is a child of God made in his image for glorious eternal purposes. Do not take the created work of God for selfish gain. I will not use this person for my selfish pleasure. This one's just super practical. No, thank you. There is nothing good for me here. You're about to hover, you're about to click, you're about to go, you're about to open the app, you're about to download the thing, you're about to, to, to look in those places, you're about to click on the ad, you're about to do those things. No, no thank you, there's nothing good for me here. If you're going to be self-controlled, it's going to take effort to knock the evil desires off the top of the mountain. Don't let it rain When being self-controlled, we must go to extremes. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5? If your eye is offending you, gouge it out. And we try to be pretty clear. Don't poke your eye out. No one is saying that. That's not more spiritual to poke your eye out. But if there's an app that is leading you to lust, delete it. If there's a thing you've subscribed to and it just keeps showing up in your inbox and it's pushing your buttons, unsubscribe. If there's a person where you work out at your gym and, and every Tuesday you're there and they're there and they're in your eye line and they are causing you to imagine, touching, engaging, or using, Go to another part of the gym. Go on Wednesdays instead of Tuesdays or change gyms. Oh my gosh, that sounds extreme. No. Jesus is saying, you are playing with fire. Deal with it. Cut it out. Cut it off. Deal with it. If there's a person who's flirty with you, separate yourself from that relationship. If there's a show that somebody in your household finds okay to watch, but it pushes your lust buttons, talk to that other person and stop watching the show. Go to extremes to be self-controlled. 
The problem isn't your desires. Those came from God. The problem isn't your spouse. Talk to them. The problem isn't how other people dress. Take responsibility for the difference between looking and lusting. So one of the solutions for living with your desires is to be married. Another one is to be self-controlled. And here's the third and final one, be devoted. Be devoted. Be devoted. We just sang that song, nothing else, I just want you. I'm not here for blessing. More than anything you could give, I just want you. If that is your life, the more you are devoted to Jesus, then the more you are eager to please him. The more you are devoted to Jesus and spending time in the word and spending time in private worship and spending time in prayer, the more you are devoting and pursuing him and moving close to him, then the more your heart is going to want to love obedience and hate sin. The problem with sin is that we don't hate it enough. And the more you love Jesus, the more you press in with Jesus, the more you're going to realize, oh my goodness, Jesus isn't calling me to miss out on all the fun that everybody else is having. Jesus is calling me to levels and layers of marital joy that I don't even think were ever possible. Jesus isn't saying, deny your desires. He's saying, wait. Well, I don't like waiting. Be self-controlled and trust him that he has a good plan, a really good plan. Because someday you're going to get married, young people, and you're going to be inside that covenant, that hula hoop, as we illustrated last week, and you're going to be safe in there. Because that relationship is not going to be based on your ability to perform in physical affection so that you're evaluated whether you're good at it or not good at it. Nope. Till death do you part. Your relationship inside that commitment isn't going to be based on whether or not your body stays looking like it looks now. Nope. I love your heart. I'm married to you because I was connected to you on the inside, not the outside. The outside's bonus. And I'm not going anywhere. So wait and trust God and be devoted to him. Seek first the kingdom of God. Hear Jesus saying to you clearly this morning, sons and daughters of God, do not think you're clean if you haven't slept with somebody you're not married to this week. What have you been thinking about in your heart? What have you been looking at? Our Lord is raising the bar to keep us from disaster. Let's pray.